welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that is not about perfection. It is about being purposeful in being who we were intended to be, joyful and fulfilled. So if this is your first time here, we welcome you and you may want to go back a little bit and listen, but we're so glad that you're here. If you're returning, thank you so much for coming back. We appreciate you, each and every one of you. And thank you for helping us continue to grow what I hope will be a community and more than just a podcast. So lately we have been planning and kind of processing and kind of working through some of that diligence, I guess, in in all the different areas. Last week we particularly talked about budgeting and what that really does for us. Some people think of it as a chore and yet we want you to think of it as freedom. So we're going to be shifting soon to kind of a new theme of topics, yet still within the, I think, habit and hope realm. But just a reminder, if you think about habits, they are either formed accidentally or intentionally. So there are some habits, it tends to be, I think, the bad habits, unfortunately, that we form accidentally. Sometimes it might be something like you begin biting your nails at a nervous habit or possibly touching your face. Apparently I do that sometimes, my husband says, when I'm particularly speaking in public. And so maybe it's just, you know, nervous habits or or we just kind of end up as as being in certain sometimes bad habits, but Sometimes good habits, they can form accidentally, but I think the best habits generally form intentionally. And it can even be how we process the world. In my opinion, I had a conversation with someone the other day about, you know, why am I such a positive person and, and how did I end up that way? And I said, it was intentional. I... I feel like I grew up in kind of a negative household. I don't really feel like this is appropriate and it's tragic that it happened. Anyhow, we're always being told like at any moment we might be homeless. We didn't know where our next meal was. And we were constantly bombarded with that uncertainty at a very young age. And then I ended up very young marrying the wrong person. And he was in the military and went out to sea and he came back with almost like a dark spirit. That's what my sister said, that it was like this spirit of darkness that was unnerving. And he came back and was like a full-blown alcoholic and just in a very, very dark space. And everything was very negative, angry at everything. You couldn't watch the news with him. It was too much. His emotions would get out of control. And he just, it was so much negativity. It was like a weight upon my life. Oh, even a weight upon my chest. It, it was a physical feeling even. And I didn't, I wasn't happy about getting a divorce, but I wasn't really given a choice. He he didn't feel like he was going to get better. He didn't have the really the desire to get better, but that it was actually really damaging to me. And he made the choice that I, I think that we just need to get a divorce and I wasn't really given a choice. And so it was all in and the good plan, I guess, is 
as much as he disapproves, I guess, of divorce, sometimes it just happens and that's how it happened. And I was at, when I walked away from it, I felt a lift of that darkness and I made the decision then that I was never going to allow myself to go to those places in my mind that I was going to make a choice to be positive, to remove negative influences and negative people. And I just wasn't going to dwell in any sense of negativity. Does that mean that I don't have doubts or fears or a negative thought ever? No, they pop into my mind from time to time. I used to be real worried, but the biggest difference, and and again, I had this conversation was, so I felt the need to share it was I don't camp there. I might very quickly walk through that path, but I don't set up camp. I don't pitch a tent and sit down in it if it pops into my head. And if it's anything that I can't just move past on my own, then, you know, I pray to God. I give it to God. I really should get better about probably doing that first. But first Peter five, seven says that God cares for you to cast all your worries and cares to God, all of them, not a few things, not what you feel is the most important. And this is where I struggle all the time and, and thinking, well, that is not that important, but whether it is Even your organizing, if you feel like you need to do some organizing and minimizing, he can help you with those things. He wants a good life. He wants your life to be a reflection of him in all his goodness and glory. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast all your cares. He will sustain you. And so If you think about casting, uh, I guess the best reference I can think of is sort of fishing, except for we're not trying to bring it back in. (laughs) So we're not casting this out and then reeling it back in, but we are throwing this as far away from us as possible and casting it away from us to God and saying, no more, this is all to him. I'm just not going to worry about that. I'm not going to dwell on that. It may pop up. But you can actually train your mind over and over again. It comes up and you start to go there and you're like, no, I am not setting up camp here. I'm throwing it again back to God. I'm not going to reel it in. If it comes back to me, I'll throw it out again. And it's an intentional thing, but that whole he will sustain you is all of it. So whatever you're struggling with and you're like, I want to make this better in my life. Just remember that all of them, all the worries, all your cares. It says that over and over again, that to throw them to him, to get rid of them off of you. And he will sustain you. He, he will bring you through. There is so much scripture about that, uh, you know, removing the reliance on ourselves, And that's another part that we've been talking about and not talking about. But before we go and talk about some of my little tricks and techniques and some of the things that I've applied and have been learning for developing like those new habits and, and just becoming more of the person that I want to be. Before we try any of these things, I over and over again, I, I love how God puts these things in our path. If you're not hearing from God, dive in deep to the word yourself. Don't rely on other people to tell it to you. And I am telling you, 
if you go with an earnest heart, you will find the messages that God has for you. And over and over again, I was reading and, and, and coming across all these parts about the Holy Spirit. You know, our power comes from God, but he is not a far off being. He has sent the Holy Spirit to be right here with us, right in our heart. And this is what we need to recognize that we have at our disposal so that, again, we have to constantly remind ourselves that we don't have to rely on ourselves. So we have this helper that he sends us when, when we open that door, when we let him in, and it is wisdom, not of this age. Like it's a, it's beyond the time, beyond the years of wisdom. If you had wisdom, would you want wisdom only like subject to your lifetime or even only subject to everyone's lifetime? Or would you want to rely on wisdom that is beyond your years, beyond anyone you know's years? That's the kind of wisdom when you call on the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit that is within you, you get that kind of wisdom. And to me, that is amazing. And he is sent to bring truth to the open. He is sent to guide us all and to lead us to, it says, life and peace. And it's interesting, but you know, that those two kind of go together, but what does it mean to really live? And then think about peace and what that really means. A life of peace is not dwelling in darkness, of course, and not having a ton of worries and feeling that lighter and freedom that we talked about a minute ago that I had when I left that darkness. And all those scriptures are all throughout. I'll put them in the list, but it's read 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 10, John 14, 25 through 27, John 16, 12 through 15, and Romans 8, 6. There is probably way more than even that, but those that all just came from all those scriptures of just what the Holy Spirit is and that power that we have right at our disposal. So it already tells you, he finds those things important and he has provided us a resource before we even asked. It's ready to go. And how amazing is that? So the other part of the journey is that we have to really be open and, and ready to rewire and rewrite our mind. The older you get, the harder that can. And I made the determination that I was going to try really hard. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but to not be so set in my ways. I've watched them get so set in their routines. My mother, my grandmother, my aunt, that their worlds can be rocked sometimes tremendously when something is a little out of sort. And I really didn't want to be that way. And I wanted to be open to new adventures and to trying new foods and to trying, you know, meeting new people and going new places. And I wanted to never give that up. And I think that same mentality is that you've got to be ready to shake up your life a bit. If you really want to make the changes that are going to lead you to the life that God intended, the joyful and the fulfilled, you have to be ready and willing to really shake some things up. And understand, I mean, the Bible reminds us not to conform to the world. And I mean, to me, I think the easiest way to think of it is don't conform to the norm. If you're, if you're doing what's normal for everyone around you, you are probably kind of conforming to the world. Your life should be different. 
people should look at you and go, something's really different about them. Hopefully not in like a weird way. <laughs> Hopefully not in an awkward way. Hopefully not in something that people are like, well, oh, they're really different. Um, we're not talking about wearing weird clothes and that sort of stuff just to stand out. But something should look different about your life in a way that draws people to God. And so it tells us that we are to be transformed. Now, that doesn't mean like little bitty changes. I mean, transformed if you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your mind. You got to like, let go of it. And then it tells us that we will be able to test and approve his will. Like we will be able to go, is this God's will or is this God's will? And we'll go, this is what I know God wants for me. And then it says, then it reminds us that his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And when they say good, I think sometimes we say like, is it good or is it great? And we think, eh, it's good. <laughs> and it doesn't sound that impressive, but we mean a whole and amazing good, as good as it gets. It is pleasing, meaning this is not his will is not meant to be a burden. It shouldn't feel like a chore. Well, I'm doing his will, but <laughs> you shouldn't feel like a martyr. You should be like, this is amazing. And that his will is perfect. If I want anything in life, you know, he gives us a desire for perfection because he is perfect. What better to do than to be able to dwell and, and work and, and understand like what his will is for you and keep following along that path. Remember, he will make our path straight. Oh, and the verse that I was just quoting a minute ago is Romans 12, 12. Again, I will put that in the notes, but I would even really spend some time on that one and really, let's say you could say meditate, but I'm going to say marinate in that one. Just really soak that one in and what that means. It is sometimes hard to really let go of certain concepts or the way we've quote unquote always done things. But God tells us, look, if you want the best, if you want the perfect, you're going to have to let go of the norm and the way you've always done things. Okay, so have I shaken you up enough? <laughs> I might be making you feel a little uncomfortable now. Think about taking the habits that we want. And, you know, you. some people say stack, you can marry them, you can tie them, whatever it is. But you're going to take those habits that you want and you're going to tie them to something good that you already do. Remember that habits are something that doesn't take a lot. When we have to make decisions all the time, it all relies on our willpower to do the right thing, to do the best thing. Should I buy this? Should I work out? Should I eat healthy or should I eat the burger and fries? When we are relying on that decision-making, we have to fall on willpower, right? When we fall to habits, we remove a lot of the decision-making. It's easier. It makes life easier. We don't have to fall to willpower. We do the right things kind of automatically. So we're going to take those good things that we do. And yes, you do good things. <laughs> And you may not even think about them. Maybe you just brush your teeth, you eat a meal, you drink coffee, and you get gas. And I'm getting there. Why any of those might be not a bad, at least they're not a bad thing, right? And 
if we were going to tie them to something that we want to implement, you're obviously not going to skip out on getting gas. You're obviously not going, I hope you're not going to skip out on brushing your teeth. You might skip out on coffee, but surely there's something that you maybe grab in the wee hours of the morning. Maybe it's tea, maybe it's water, maybe it's soda. Well, we'll get there, but, <laughs> but whatever that may be, you take that and you tie it through. So I picked those items and I was trying to think of things that I had kind of tied new habits to, habits I wanted to implement. Now, one that I had been doing for a long time was every time I get gas, I go straight to my car and I start pulling out garbage. Sorry for the poor attendants who have to empty the garbage, but I keep my car clean because about once a week or so I get gas and I remove any garbage from my car. It's something super easy. I don't even think about it anymore. So it was something that I was like, yeah, that actually is something that keeps my car clean. And then when I get in my car, I'm not overwhelmed by a messy car. I think I've talked about it many times, but I tied reading my Bible with coffee. Now, to me, as you start to dive into really reading the Bible on a regular basis, I don't feel like you need a reminder to do that. You, you will develop a sense of desire and excitement, I hope, because all the amazing things that God reveals to you, it starts to become its own perpetual drive. If, as long as you don't think of it as a chore and don't have guilt and shame when you miss it, but like retrain that mind again, you know, correct those thoughts. And this is not about shame and guilt. This is just him wanting the best for you because he knows how much better our day goes when we have been refueled and refilled and how much brighter our light shines when we've had his goodness than first thing in the morning. But, but initially just to kind of get in that habit, I made sure that it was coffee and Bible. If I'm having coffee, I'm reading the Bible. And what that did for me was that again, in times that things were disrupted, like when my child was in surgery, I go to get coffee in a complete, like exhausted state and go, Oh, I should pick up my phone. I should read the Bible. I have the Bible app right here and I'm not in my normal space, but that's okay because I'll have his peace and what a, what a difference it made. And so my first meal of the day, which is typically closer to lunch, is when I have decided, like, I will have my vitamins. My vitamins for me keep me, give me more energy. I have noticed that good vitamins, really good vitamins, actually kill off a lot of cravings. So if you're craving a lot of things, think about nutrition. Yes, I try to pack more nutrition. That's something I've been working on all the time. But my vitamins are a key component of that. So my first meal of the day is when I really, really, really have tried to take my vitamins. I have tried taking some of those that have an AM and PM um, packs. It will not work for me. I just cannot seem to do it. I will remember too late in the day for some weird reason or something. And then I'll be like, well, I didn't take my morning, so I won't take my PM. <laughs> and so I will, like we've talked about before, I'm a little all or nothing. And it's something I'm working on transforming the mind, right? 
And then um, this may be weird to you, but I brush my teeth. I have a Sonicare and I've had it for a long time. You know, it has like the little timer and when you move, move it around and, and whatever. And so I have, maybe it's ADHD. I don't know. I hate just standing there staring at myself. And so what I tend to do is I start brushing my teeth and I start walking around and like picking things up. My husband thinks it's a little odd, but I, and you know, I keep moving my toothbrush around, but I will like go and pick up at least some while I'm brushing my teeth. And I actually end up brushing my teeth longer that way because I will be further away from the sink sometimes. And so it's, it's not a bad thing, but that may be weird to you, or it could be even something you do. Like I brush my teeth and then I add whatever habit it is. But you see that these are things that we generally do without much thought. And then we add something to it that we want to implement. And so the more you start to do that, when you do the one thing you don't think about, you will start to automatically do the thing that you were having to think more about. And then another part of that is kind of creating a chain. I notice when I maybe put on my shoes, I tend to go for a walk. But if it's too inconvenient for me to go get my shoes, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but I know that some people are like that. There's always something that we're all a little lazy about. There's always something. So don't feel guilty about that, but just recognize it. I realize that if I don't put my shoes on, I won't do these things. For me, it is putting on my workout clothes. So if I get dressed in my workout clothes, like nine times out of 10, I will, no matter how I feel or how stressed or how busy I am, I'll go, okay, I'll at least do some kind of workout because I'm already in my workout clothes. And so for me, it is, if I dress my workout clothes, I work out. And you may have to even back up from there and say, but if I, if it's hard for me to find my workout clothes in the morning, then I might not do that. Okay. So if I put my workout clothes out ahead of time at night, then I will work out. I will put them on and then I will work out if that makes sense. So you start to chain things together. If I do this, then I will do this. And then to do that, maybe I need to do this. So you can basically kind of work backwards, but you build this chain out of the things that build the habits bit by bit. So it's like a building block of habits. And as we work on these things, I'm going to throw in a little bit about timing. So I have always heard it takes 21 days to form a new habit. And I have done many things for 21 days and fallen right back out of that habit. So I've always kind of done, but I read recently that there is actually a study of it being 66 days. So don't beat yourself up if you're at 21 days and you're like, Oh, I slipped out of it. It's okay. But I do find that that tends to be also more when you're just trying to add on a habit all on its own without doing the building block and stacking and whatever time all together. When you're trying to just isolate a habit that way, it will take longer, but just recognize that it may take longer than you think. And another thing is to think about timing. If you've got a lot of things going on, don't make huge, huge changes. Yet on the other flip side of that, don't wait. I had a tendency like, uh, you know, I won't start any kind of new workout regimen until Monday. And I'm like, I've got to stop doing that. If I'm motivated on Saturday, why can I not? Why do I have to look at the calendar week? Like I can't start on a Saturday. I need to do it when I am motivated. And just take 
you know, do it quickly and just take small steps. Don't try to do it all. It's been one of my biggest struggles was trying to go so big and then getting frustrated because it was so hard. Proverbs 19.2 tells us enthusiasm without knowledge is no good and haste makes mistakes. So just remember that, you know, you can be enthusiastic, but you don't have to go crazy huge, gain the wisdom, gain the knowledge, don't be overwhelmed by the knowledge, rely on the Holy Spirit, and just don't do it too hastily. Just just take it slow and small. Now, you can plan for fun, and then you can plan for hurdles. And I'm going to tell you, like, what planning for fun kind of looks like, and you may have some your own ideas. If you have ideas, do share them. But... One thing I hear a lot is about streaks, and I think that has become even more prevalent in the realm of what Snapchat and some of those things that social media that has implemented streaks because they realize that a lot of people psychologically are driven by something as simple as that. I crack up at my kids because I think it's kind of silly that like they will actually help each other keep their quote unquote streaks on Snapchat or whatever because like so-and-so's on vacation and I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) But the, that same streak is what drives my daughter to read her Bible every day on the YouVersion app. It has a streak and that motivates her. It doesn't really motivate me because I tend to be, when I break it, then I kind of feel really guilty. So I try, I'm like, this doesn't work for me. I tend to, you know, that, that streak for me, has an opposite effect. But if it works for you, I'm a little, I don't want her to be driven to read the Bible because of a streak, but the other will come. And she is a 17 year old who reads her Bible more than about any 17 year old I know. So if that's what it takes right now, I don't think she's any worse for it. They, a lot of people have talked about, there was a, a friend's episode about where he was trying to write and he got really addicted to like marking it off on a calendar. I did it this day. I did it this day. And that was his driving force for doing it continuously. So just think about streaks and how that might. Another thing could be kind of making a game of things. There was, I wish I could remember where I was listening to it. It could be Hal Alrod, Hal Alrod but he was talking about how he hated making these cold calls. He had a sales job. So he decided to make a game out of how many no's he could get. And if he could get so many no's that he would reward himself. And that made the unpleasant thing more pleasant. And the end result was he never got to whatever hundred no's or whatever he was trying to get to in a day because he, his whole energy changed. And that being said, I used to work in a call center in my early twenties that was part of actually being a, a financial counselor. And it's really hard to talk to people about finances over the phone that you've never met and build a rapport with them. And so they were calling in and we weren't cold calling, but yet still we were like diving almost right into the finances and people were often in kind of dire, desperate straits. And the commercial I watched of ours that they put out there was rather depressing as it so uh, there was a lot of hurdles right when you were on there and when I first started it was really hard to connect with the people and I just had some barriers of like I don't know how to do this well and I didn't want to do people a disservice and they also gave us a script which was 
in my opinion, harder. You know, we had certain disclosures we had to make sure we hit, but we, we did have the freedom to go off of it. It's just a lot of people could not. And so what I started to realize was, is that I needed to find a way to kind of pump myself up, get a little bit more energy and also connect with a person that I couldn't see. And so I would put a picture of a family member like closer to me and talk to that. So I had a face to look at and I would sometimes, you know, just take a little break and, and just talk to someone who was fun to talk to at the call center to lighten the mood. Because like I said, sometimes it gets a little depressing when you're talking about some of the stuff and hearing some sad stories and so forth. And, and then when I would start a conversation, I didn't go straight to the script. I had a conversation about tell me about you. Tell me what's going on. Help me understand why you're calling. I will help you know if we can help you and then I'll be able to better guide you. And that was a transforming of my mind. It, it totally helped me really connect to the person, have compassion for them. It took away that robotic sound. And if you've ever talked to somebody who's just reading off a script and you ask them a question and they are like, oh, I don't even know how to answer this because this is off script. And it just took away all those things. And, and then I enjoyed the job and you have the ability to trick your mind. You have to sometimes plan it out and do it, but you can kind of pump yourself up. Even sometimes, like if I'm not in the mood, I put on music, whether it's cleaning or working out or whatever it may be, music can change the mood really quickly. Or again, you know, calling somebody who always makes you laugh could change things very quickly. So use the tools that are around you. If you don't know the tools, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit, right? You can also use rewards. I know they always say, be careful about like, if, if the food is the issue, don't reward yourself with food, but think of some ways that will help you have some positive reinforcement. If you ever took psychology and you learned about Pavlov to basically drool and salivate every time they heard a bell ring, just because they had always been rewarded with a treat when the bell rang. So crazy as that is, psychologically, it works when you give yourself rewards. Just think carefully about the rewards, but there is good reasons to have rewards. Again, also be careful, careful about financial rewards and things like that. There are things that can be rewarding, even if it's taking a little time for self-care. There can be things that are rewarding that won't cost you your waste and won't cost your wallet. In the very least, celebrate your wins. It doesn't have to be a win at the end of the finish line. It can be a today win. And I would just, I would just quit. And so don't be too rigid. There was a really interesting study. I believe it's Milkman is the author, uh, How to Change. And they did an experiment. Her and a Harvard colleague or something like that. And they set two groups and said, okay, group one, you're going to get a reward if you go to the gym at the same time every day for a month. Group two, they said you will get a reward just as long as you go to the gym every day for a month. It does not matter what time it was. It doesn't matter the time. You just have to go. And so she really thought the result would be those that had the more regimented, stricter schedule would actually stick to it more. She was completely surprised by the results 
and that they were completely opposite. Flexibility was key in their success. The group that did not have to go at a specific time would find a way to work it in. And so think about flexibility and, and lenient. Yesterday, you know, been kind of working out on a specific workout plan. And I had to put it off. I've been having to put it off later in the day because my husband's asleep now during the morning. And so he will not really appreciate me working out because I need music. I can't be that quiet, whether it's weights or whatever. It's not that easy to be quiet. So I don't feel it's appropriate to work out when he's trying to sleep. You're welcome, husband. But, um, but by putting off, of course, then later in the day, there's like, one, again, we've talked about it, that your willpower is lower. There's more stresses. Like, oh, I still have all this other stuff to do. And um, I also was honestly getting a little bit of a headache. And I was like, oh, I'm really not feeling it. But I had <laughs> dressed out my workout clothes. I'll just say that. And I was ha- I was particularly thinking like, okay, I got to do this one workout. And it's like 40 minutes. And that's really going to cut into time. And it's like getting close to time. And you really need to cook dinner. also need to water my garden that I didn't do in the morning because I thought it was going to rain. <laughs> and, and you see how it goes. And so I suddenly realized, you know, and it always helps because I'm working on these things for you. It helps me. I realized that, wait a minute, you know, I'm trying to tell myself I have to do this one workout that I don't really feel like I have the time or the energy to make it all the way through 40 minutes for. I just need to move. I need to be more flexible. And so I picked a different workout. It was only 20 minutes but I did it and I probably actually did it with more enthusiasm and more energy than I would have if I had tried to make it through 40 minutes, not feeling it. I had actually fun. I picked one that I knew I would like. I like the body combat. It's fun to me. And so that's less Mills if you're curious, but I worked through that one. And at the end I was like, I, that time flew 20 minutes went really fast and there was no drudgery and I had fun. And I was like, Yes, this is what I need to recognize is those times where I have to break what I thought I had to do, let it go, and just do something. Even if I had gone outside and taken a walk, and then like even trying to water my garden, I was a little stressed about trying to get that done, but I knew they really it really needed it, and so I was running back and forth between cooking the meal that needed to be done and moving the hose around, getting a little more exercise in, honestly, so... I was still able to get it done and I realized I just had to be more flexible on how I got things done. So for me, what works really well is, so the perfect plate is half veggies, a quarter protein and a quarter of healthy carbs. Sometimes not healthy, but (laughs) the goal is healthier carbs, something like quinoa or squash or something like that. When I have that at home and I work on that all the time. If I go out, it's easier for me to visually or maybe on a party or something, it's a bit easier for me to visually look down at my plate and go, or like maybe when I'm thinking about what I'm going to order, this doesn't have enough veggies. This is all carb or, or whatever. And it's easier for me to shift gears and say, okay, if I order this, I will get at least closer to the perfect plate, if that makes sense. So it gives a lot more flexibility and doesn't feel very restricting and and it's helpful. I was doing zero sugar because of my daughter and then I'm leading a team because I wanted to carry on longer, especially after I realized how 
inundated with sugar all of our food is. So I end up leading this team on a sugar-free challenge, but it's not a sugar-free challenge. Actually, it's up to 24 grams of added sugars. And even that sounded like a lot to me until I started realizing how much has sugar. And I'm not coming close to that because, of course, I just came off of zero sugar, like zero any sugar, which was really tough and really rigid. But that was for my daughter's health. So even having that little bit more flexibility, I already find it a lot easier to to work with. So again, while I'm, while I'm not hitting, like trying to push it to the limit, there's a little more thing like salad dressings tend to have a couple grams of sugar in them, which is a little frustrating. And oh, and on that sugar-free diet, it's for the yeast. You're not supposed to have vinegar. So that takes even vinaigrettes out <laughs> and some of like the things that have fruit and, and it just got a little, t- it got very tough. So just that new leniency, like I'm excited. I can have mushrooms again. That was part of the yeast protocol diet. You can have mushrooms. I love mushrooms. So you, you just, hopefully that helps you see like flexibility is key, but planning for those hurdles, there's going to be things that you absolutely really are going to have to face. It was so funny. Somebody said, you know, it's unrealistic. Let's just say you do go keto or something like that. And then think you're going to be fine through the holidays without any kind of plan is extremely unrealistic. And it was so funny just the way they worded it. I wish I could word it just like they did, but it was like, um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And why did I not ever think of that before? But so I kind of made a list of some things just to think through. And I try to, I try to not hit on one particular habit at a time. So I try to mix it up. So I try. (laughs) Like, okay, are you always too tired to work out? It's, that's not abnormal. Here are some things that I do. One, I try to work on getting more sleep. I recognize certain sleep patterns and the things I need to do, whether it's getting more melatonin in me, going to bed earlier, turning off devices earlier. Actually, and the funny thing is, is I end up sleeping better when I do work out. So sometimes it's a little bit ripping the bandaid off so that I do sleep better and the energy does come. Doing it earlier rather than later is a great way of having more energy when you work out. Doing it in small segments, that's something that I've been working on a little bit more too. I bought the desk cycle so that if nothing else, I've got this desk cycle right there and I'll just like start pedaling when I'm working. Or I would like to start doing more of taking little breaks and maybe doing like a little bit of push-ups or whatever, just a little bit more movement. My, my Fitbit does remind me to get up and do so many steps an hour. And so sometimes I'm like, yeah, I can't take a break right now. And, but it does help me like, yeah, I do need to get up and move a little bit. So you could rather than again, like we're transforming our minds. Don't think about it as the norm of we have to do it the way everyone makes it look, but we can do it in small segments. We can break it up and whatever you do, you're going to do better. Or another thing someone said to me, because I said, I keep getting kind of injured by going to kind of pushing it the way I used to be able to jump into workout. And they're like, I don't let runners run right off. I make them walk whether they want to or not. So basically do a lot less of a workout, even if you, even if you are feeling it like, but don't feel like you have to do an elaborate workout In fact, there was a lot, there's a lot of studies on not that much of a calorie difference between running and walking, 
So I would say at this point, the bottom line is move and you will be better for it. If you always snack at night in front of the TV, one of the best things I can say to you is change the whole routine. If Because you have now basically done that whole stacking of habits of TV time equals snacking. So see, it can happen for bad habits too. So the best thing to do is totally change your pattern of your evening. Maybe, and I I know that you may need that wind down time, but maybe go outside and spend some time. My husband and I sometimes like to break it up and go and like sit in the rocking chairs outside in the evenings if the bugs aren't killing us. Or maybe do a class sometime in the evening, whether it's like an exercise class, maybe it is a art class, maybe it is a YouTube class. There's there's so much at your disposal, but like learning something new and doing something completely out of the pattern of habit you're in could completely change things. And the funny thing was, I was kind of leaning on this already and it came up in um, Craig's Grishel's Life Church sermon over the weekend about how he was told for mental health reasons to break patterns of behavior because it helps create new neural pathways. And also, if you've studied like one of the things they say about as you get older and some of the dementia and some of that just mental decline comes from doing too much repetition and not breaking that cycle and doing things just completely new patterns your brain kind of gets where it's not making all those new patterns and it kind of gets, I don't know, tired and worn out, I guess, of those exact same patterns. And so to stimulate our mind and keep us actually younger in the mental state, even those new patterns are better for you in that way. So it's going to be better for waistline. It's going to be better for your mental health and it's going to be better for your overall brain health. So there you go. Breaking up patterns. Recognize when you get too much in a rut and just totally flip it on its head. Are events, holidays, and that kind of thing a weakness for whatever, you know, plan a way out or, you know, like I'm going to eat this way or I'm going to make, I'm going to, we're going to eat at my home and these are the recipes I'm going to cook and I'm going to find healthy versions of the things that I like, or maybe I'm going to just completely cook a whole different menu. That is still really good because I really believe (laughs) I'll, I will rest on this hill that if you think you don't like vegetables, I think you haven't had them the right way. That if you take broccoli and you steam it versus if you roast it already, they're like night and day in my opinion. So if you, and I'm not saying that you will love roasted broccoli. I think something's wrong with you if you don't, but, (laughs) but I'm not saying you will like it that way, but I'm saying just because you have tried broccoli, asparagus, or whatever, maybe you didn't try it in a good way. Because all the vegetables I have tried, I have had things that I did not like the way it was cooked. And then I tried another way and it was phenomenal. So open your mind a little bit on some of those things. And there, I think there are some great healthy things that you can have that are cooked just differently. And then the other thing you could be is just to plan a certain way that you're going to do better. Like, okay, When it comes to desserts, I'm allowed to have, you know, maybe three tiny squares at Thanksgiving of the different pies. Like if I want to try several, I get to have three small squares of a pie. Sorry for whoever's cutting that pie. They're going to hate you for that. But (laughs) um, 
If you're overwhelmed when you try to organize, maybe you need to get someone to come help you. Maybe you need to download a plan or watch YouTube videos on each room. So pick a room, watch a YouTube video, um, start with like, say your office, something, something, start with something easier and watch a video specifically on that, how they do it. And then just go do that. If you, if you know you're going to get overwhelmed, get a plan together. Another thing is to plan for accountability. It's going to help with so many of those hurdles. Give yourself a deadline, get a partner, get a coach, make it cost you, go back to that reward. Think about accountability. And if you plan for that accountability, that is also going to be an essential tool. So the last note of all of this planning is that planning should have balance. Diligence and thinking about the future is important. And yet I encourage you to live fully in the present. Matthew 6, 34 says tomorrow has its own worries. Each day has its own troubles. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says to forget about the things of the past, basically. Don't dwell in the past. And then on the flip side of that, you know, Matthew 6, 26, Matthew 6, 23, Matthew 6, 26 through 30 reminds us that the birds and flowers don't worry about where their next meal will come from or where their clothes will come from. They trust that each day it will be there. He provides for them and how much more he cares for us. Just take it one day at a time. And Psalm 118.24 reminds us to rejoice in this day and be glad in it because he made it. Each day has its own. Each day has its own troubles. Each day has its own reason to rejoice. So take each day one at a time. And then your last little bit of hope is Hebrews 13.8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to be there for you. He will be your hope. You can rest in that consistency as you make those changes. I hope you have a blessed week. I will be praying for you. Hi guys. I just wanted to add a little ending here because this message was pre-recorded a few weeks ago and things got a little out of whack. I had weird, crazy issues with technology, software, and um, uploading and all that stuff suddenly I was like losing data. I was um, having trouble getting like the software I always use. It kept crashing over and over again, losing things. You know, sometimes we we go through little attacks like that and it's okay because it's data in the word and the word is always encouraging. So times like that will happen and you just keep plugging on. So if you've wondered where I've been for a little bit, that's what's going on. I have not stopped and I'm always working towards the the mission that God has placed on my heart. Have a fantastic week and be encouraged.